the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. What a beautiful day, huh? Let's start off thinking, uh, or just making ourselves think. The democracy will cease to exist when you take away from those who are willing to work and give to those who would not. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Democracy is the destiny of humanity. Freedom is its indestructible arm. And that's Benito Juarez. The democ- oh, sorry, hold on. <laughs> Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. And that's Will Rogers. And then the final one is democracy has to be born anew every generation and education in its midwife. That's John Dewey. Uh, once again, you know, we always talk about uh, where can you get all the stuff that we talk about on our show. We talk about our dividend, uh, you know, uh, uh, list, our uh, prime income list, dividend growth list, I'm sorry. Uh, all of our top ideas are, are you know, uh, ADR list, are, you name it, we have it, okay? Um, our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, our Women and Wealth, a planning workbook. Boy, I'm getting really good uh, reviews out of that, ladies. Uh, money Matters for the Young Professionals, and also for you guys who are thinking about selling your business, a businessman's or business person's guide to transition. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of money going out there. These these SPACs, 360 of them came public this year, okay? That's a lot of money. So they're, they're looking for businesses to buy. So if you have a decent-sized business, now might be the time. Uh, also, if you go to our webpage on Insights, uh, you know, if, oh, to get to my webpage, what you have to do is just go to WHK1420. Go down to Local Podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, uh, and it goes right to my webpage. And um, under insights, there's raising interest rates. There's a nice thing there. Wedding finance for you people who I, I went through that a couple of years ago. Taxes, the history of. I'm going to talk about a little bit about that right now. And ransomware, how you your business can defend against it. Okay, so uh, some good stuff there. Also, uh, our good friend Rob Schleimer, who took over for Bob Dickey, he is exceptional technician. Uh, he was with Funstrat and Tom Lee, and Tom Lee is one of the better strategists out there between him and Lori Calpathina, who's our strategist. They have hit the ball. They're knocking it out of the... They're not only hitting it over the fence. <laughs> I, was, I was watching Home Run Derby last night. They're knocking it out of the park, both of them. So, uh, And Tom Tom uh, has been great. Lori's been great. But Rob Schleimer was one of the best technicians on the planet. He was voted by the institution several years in a row. And Bob Dickey wasn't so bad either. He won more awards than I can put on both hands. So anyway, um, we, you know, I, I was looking at some things and, and uh, well, for, first of all, let's talk about this. You know, uh, three weeks ago, four, no, I'm sorry, it was five weeks ago. I said the chart on Bitcoin looked a lot like Tokyo in 1990. Since then, we've lost $1.3 trillion. Now, I just read an article over the weekend, uh, and I, well, actually, I read it on Sunday of last week, so over the last weekend, and the guy that was, the, you know, wrote the big short uh, thinks that and the Mimi stocks are basically in a lot of trouble. I mean, you're going to get killed on them. So the Mimi stocks, I've said, you know, I've had several questions from people calling me in, calling into me, and by the way, if you get a question on the show, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. That gets you into the studio. 
I've been saying to Mimi stocks, you better be a trading them. <laughs> Don't invest them. So, uh, you know, uh, Lori Casabina did a great piece this week. And, she, you know, she's kind of looked uh, her. She talks to the analysts and then makes decisions. And uh, most of the analysts are pretty positive on the outlook and performance of fundamentals, cash deployment. And with the most optimism on that, they are also very positive on margins, which is another important thing. Uh, but they're closer to neutral on valuations and policy. Um, you know, look, one big thing that jumped out uh, to all the analysts was uh, Biden's spending initiatives as neutral for most of their industries right now that they cover. And his tax plans are clearly negative, clearly negative. And if you dig down deep within the taxes, Biden's desire to raise corporate taxes elicits the most negative responses from all the analysts. So on the cash deployment, another big thing that jumped out was the outlook uh, a bit more constructive, both generally for most sectors relative to March 2021 survey, but strongest driven by healthcare, information tech, uh, and strong deployment outlooks, cash deployment outlooks for financials. So that, that's something to think about. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, I guess the, the question across all board is, is where were the analysts lean most positive? And that was financials, energy, information tech, utilities, and healthcare, and kind of a mix of, sec, uh, you know, secular growth, cyclicals, and classic defense. Like, you know, REITs and materials stand out as having some of the least optimistic assessments, um, and you know, oil or energy in general. The key thing there is that nobody owns any oil, right? It is, you know, it's 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 four point one two percent of the S and P five hundred, and so, you know, look, it's normally ten. So in order to get to ten, the oil stocks probably have a lot long way to go. So, I one of the questions they asked in her survey about was how people are looking at inflationary pressures. You know, are they baked into the consensus or are they not? And nobody really knew that. So there we go. Now, look, a lot of people think that, uh, well, we have a new piece out called A First Step on the Long Journey to Rate Hikes. And I think there's going to be a lot of rate hikes coming up here. You know, you can't, you can't print money like a third world nation for long without having to raise your rates sometime. Okay. And by the way, they kind of have to do that to slow down the economy or inflation is going to go nuts. Uh, by the way, you know, I was looking at the chart on the 10-year yield index, and it's making a little bit of a pennant formation, which after a move is usually bullish, okay? So I'll just say that right up front. But look, there's some big headlines, uh, less substance, but, you know, I, and by, by the way, I'm also seeing some of the TLT and some of those names are starting to break out a little bit. So we'll see, you know, it goes both ways, I guess. But the inflation, uh, a lot of people you know, including the, the Fed thinks that it's transitory, but the taper talks have already begun, number one. Number two, I think what's important is the Fed's already bought back bonds. They bought them back in January, you know? <laughs> the, the money supply is slowing, the growth is slowing drastically. So now, one of the things I think that's important, I was, I was reading Tom Lee this week and, uh, from Fundstrat, uh, very uh, brilliant guy, by the way, and he, he said something, and I think this is important that you've got to think about. The FMOC is taking a back seat as the reopening becomes back in focus. Okay? So, you know, the U.S. daily COVID cases are showing continual improvements. And, I mean, we fell to 4,200 cases this week, and that's, a, that's the lowest I can remember. Uh, so I think you're starting to see that, like, some of the things like the TSA checkpoint travel numbers are starting to get back uh, up and going again. And, and we're seeing, uh, you know, the first cruise. I don't know if you saw that on Friday, but the, some of the cruise lines are starting to actually get people on board again. Uh, they're really working hard at, at keeping the place clean and all that stuff. And I, I think millennials are more central to economic resilience than, than most people appreciate. So we'll see what happens there. Um, anyway, you know, the one thing I did see is that the 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 S and P 500 keeps going down and touching its 50-day moving averages and turning up. So we'll see what happens there. 
Now, the S&P 500 decreased uh, a week ago by 1.9%, and the implied volatility, you know, raised by 5 to 20. The 10-year yields decreased, you know, basically by one basis point for 144. So they went from 144 up to 153, right back to 144. Um, so in real yields, we went up about nine basis points. And the basis point, just so you know, is one-tenth of a percent, okay? So what really was interesting was gold declined sharply by 6% to uh, about $1,764 uh, $1, an ounce. Physical gold ETS re recorded a seven-week uh, of modest inflows. So the stock's pulling back, but people are buying gold, okay? So the net long gold positions decreased by about 3,000, but silver uh, also decreased. But So what's happening is the ETFs are getting money in and are not buying yet. So that's interesting. So, you know, gold equities decreased by a material 11 and a quarter percent for the week. And the other thing I saw was copper prices declined by 8.6%. Bitcoin, whew, I mean, you don't even want to talk about that. But, uh, and, you know, I'm wondering what's happening today. I, I was trying to uh, look at some different uh, web pages, but I, some reason I couldn't get on them. So uh, I don't know if they're getting hammered or not. We'll see what happens. Like I said, the guy from the big short thinks that they're a big short <laughs> again. Now, one of the things that I think is very important right now is dividend growth investing. And you can get our dividend growth portfolio or our prime income list. Which prime in income list is more for those people who are retired. It's got about a 4.4% yield. The dividend growth list is a 2.4% yield, but it grows 6 to 8% a year. What a way to, to match inflation, right? So uh, the long-term structure of dividend growth is very, very important. And dividend growers versus dividend payers, uh, there's a huge, I mean, look, if, if you took uh, $100,000, okay, back in, in 1990, you know, you, you'd have about 3.5, 3.6 almost with dividend growers. With dividend payers, you only have about 1.6. So dividend growers are very important. And they're very important to you people who are 40, probably 80, okay? Because what it does is give you an increasing cash flow. And it's kind of like owning your own rental property. Now, look, the only difference is rental property isn't priced on the stock market every day, so it doesn't drive you crazy. That's the only difference. But I'm telling you, your rental property is being priced regularly. Uh, you just don't know it. Uh, now, one of the things I will say is the dividend estimates for the S&P 500, we look at about, uh, you know, depending on where you are, but in 2022, they're looking for 64.31. That's up from 59.74. It's a pretty big increase. And the other thing is, is you look at dividend growth. There's a very attractive relative valuation right now compared to other uh, types of investing. They're about two standard deviations below where they normally are especially the dividend aristocrats, which we have in our dividend growth portfolio in a big way. So uh, you can get that by going to WHK 1420 AM, going to local podcast, go down to Smart Investor Show, go right to my webpage, hit the contact me or email me. All right. Uh, so people were asking us about ESG again. That's environmental, social, and governance type investing. It's becoming very popular. I think BlackRock uh, is 100% that way. And they're like 20% of the money in the stock market. You know, uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with they, what they do, but, you know, that's okay. Um, but look, our, I, I started to look at them saying there's some substantial fund flows and sector positioning, momentum, stock level ownership, the whole kit and caboodle. It's out there. So if, if you look at some of this stuff, uh, you'll see that, you know, people are looking for a sustainable investment landscape. And we have a great... Uh, uh, a report on this and it's you know we've we've identified about a one billion assets under management and dedicated sustainable equity products that are using this type thing okay now there's a, a lot more coming i think uh but it's amazing how much money has been i mean we started out with 173 uh million uh back in 2010 so the the, the move is up so you got you better pay attention to this because I think it's important going up. Uh, listen, we have we have a couple pieces out that you can get by going to my webpage. Once again, WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. One of them is the overall American Jobs Plan, if you want to call it that, the Made in America Tax Plan and American Family Plan. And you know it's basically rob from the rich, give to the poor. Um, 
And but it does give you all the information you need to know about the tax plan. It's available. We also have something called the history uh, or investor insights, and it tells us the history about taxes in the stock market and gives you an idea of what you can expect, what kind of equity returns you can get. You can get those from my uh, web page once again. Now, some people, I, I had some questions, uh, uh, Mark and Ed and Kevin called me this week and said, what about China? And you know, it's funny. Um, the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, it's an ETF for a large international stocks, has started to break out a little bit. The EEM broke out. The FM, which is Frontier Stocks, have all broken out. Uh, China had a recent correction, and I think it's highlighted the uncertainties of the global pandemic recovery uh, because they're starting to have some more problems. So, you know, they look okay. They don't look great. So that's my answer to all, all three of those guys. Uh, do your own homework, though. Now, one thing, we, you know, we have a gentleman uh, by a name of Michael Tran, and uh, he works for Halima Croft, who runs our entire global uh, commodity strategy. And one of the things they've been doing is barrel counting. You know, global oil balances have ebbed and flowed through pockets you know, over and under supply over the past 18 months. But benchmark uh, prices have doubled. So we remain constructive from the current price levels, and, and uh, so does the broad sentiment. Nobody's in oil stocks. I'm telling you, I, I talk to a lot of my clients about oil stocks, and I bet you 70% of them just said, well, they weren't listening. So uh, it, just so you know, we have our global energy, power, and infrastructural virtual conference, uh, conference notes, and they're available to you uh, if you want to go to WHK1420, local podcast, Smart Investor Show, etc. Hey, let's take a break. In the meantime, if you got a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. You know, uh, I uh, I thought a couple things were interesting. I, I was reading the apartment guide analysis, uh, this <laughs> type of stuff I read. Uh, the average rental price for a one-bedroom apartment declined 45% between March 20th and a, uh, of 2020 and to 2021. Isn't that amazing? Two bedrooms fell 24%. Very interesting. Job openings, a measure of labor demand, jumped 597,000 to 8.1 million on the last day of March. That's the highest series since it, it, it began in 2000, uh, December of 2000. So kind of an interesting statistic. I, I also, uh, one of the things I, I thought I'd mention is, you know, I've talked about this before and I own some of these stocks and uh, it, it's kind of interesting just simply seeing, uh, you know, because I, I have two Labrador retrievers, uh, Sully and Gunner. And uh, <laughs> Sully's still a puppy, and uh, wow, I mean, he ate a rug the other day. Uh, yeah. A uh, Oriental run, but by the way. Um, but pets are extremely meaningful to Americans, and um, I don't know if they are across the world, but you know, they consider us a member of family. And you know, normally, if a member of family would eat my rug, I. Uh, but anyway. 68% of the people out there couldn't imagine living without their pets. Sometimes I can. 71% of, uh, uh, of the people said pets help you, especially in hard times. And 46 says, I treat my pet with something special for his or her birthday. So the pet business is a big one. And uh, I just suggest that it's something, it's a great investment vehicle, okay, uh, to think about. Now, you know, I, I was looking at some charts this week, as I always do. I, you know, I look at charts every day and read all the research and all that stuff. So I kind of make, uh, that's what I do while I'm on my stationary bike. But I was looking at the 10-year chart. Now, the first thing I saw was the, 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 the five-year Treasury yield index. And it consolidated in a, like, uh, a little bit of a pennant forming down and then broke out. So it, it's uh, literally 93 basis points, so it's not you know anything worried about now. But uh, then I looked at the 
10-year, and the 10-year is still in that pennant formation. You know, it, it went up uh, right after the Fed talked and came right back down to where it was. So, it, uh, you know, falling channels what they, is what they call it is a bullish continuation pattern. So we'll see what happened. Uh, now, if if I did the measuring, okay, with the rounding bottom and everything, we should see 2% if I'm right, okay? Uh, now, you know, the 7 to 10 tre- Treasury yield uh, year Treasury bond ETF has kind of like a bearish continuation pattern. You know, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, I'm seeing some things like that that I, I, I question. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was looking at some things, and this is kind of interesting. You know, PayPal versus Visa. Pay, PayPal has gone nuts, and Visa's just chug, chugged along. Uh, PayPal's up, I think, 19% for the year. Ford has just demolished uh, Tesla, okay? Uh, you know, so you're seeing all these things that you wouldn't expect to see, you know, going forward. And, uh, uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing things that, you know, uh, Conical Phillips has killed plug power. Remember, you know, we were all talking about the green stocks three months ago uh, in NVIDIA making Intel look like uh, a, a redheaded stepchild. Okay. And then you have travelers and, and, and JP Morgan, Basically on the same boat, and same with Zoom Media and Microsoft, uh, and Virgin Galactic, which you know uh, I own uh, for my myself and my clients, uh, is up 25 percent, and Boeing can't get out of its own way, and and you have Altria doing better than Tilray, which is the, a cannabis stock. So a lot of weird things going on here that I think people are are starting to to wonder about, and. Uh, now, there's a couple things I'm seeing uh, also that I think is important, and you know this is me just looking at the charts, folks. Uh, you know I look at the S&P 500, and then there's a thing called the Silver Cross Index, and that's you know uh, are you above or below your 20-day moving average, and uh, we keep getting these little you know downturns, and uh, and that, you know so I'm, I'm seeing this on the mid caps, the large caps, the small caps. Uh, so I'm just wondering, you know, will this continue? Uh, you know, the bullish percent has been above 70 several times, but it keeps making lower highs, too. So uh, it's just something, you know, like I'm just talking, talking out loud here. Now, I don't know if you saw Nike's earnings, but I have quite a bit of Nike for my clients. I haven't bought it in a real long time. Uh, I probably should have bought it just recently. But, you know, it making a series of lower highs and the shorts were beating this thing up. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it goes from 132 to 152 in, in a day on earnings. Uh, and it beats all expectations and all that stuff. And I guess my question, is that a hamburger, a hamburger of harem? <laughs> Never mind. Is that something we should look for going forward? <laughs> Saturday, folks, sorry. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, it's just something to think about because, you know, when I when I look at these things, I say to myself, you know, where should we go from here now? It was kind of funny after the 10-year yield, you know, spiked up after the Fed meeting and then came right back down. So, you know, it's in this range. It, it you know, it, it had a 50% retracement of, of its decline uh, from March down to, you know, the bottom in, in November. Then it had a 50-cent retracement and now it's pulled back. So we'll see what's happened. And I guess we'd call the equity market range bound. You know, we were at the top end of the chart. And now we've just gone sideways. Uh, it'll, you know, we did have it break out a little bit on, on Friday, so we'll see if it continues. And, and the Russell 2000 is in a very big sideways pattern. Now, it's made a higher low, so it may be getting ready to take off. And I must admit, I did my charts this morning before the show, and I haven't had this many stocks on my charts. You know, I've been doing half a page of symbols, uh, you know, that I, I write down the symbols I like the best. And I got to admit, I've, I've done a page and a half. So uh, that's the first time I've seen that in a while. Usually that's a pretty good sign. I don't know if it's going to or not, you know, it continues. But if you look at the ebb and flow, the NDX and the QQQs are breaking out. So, you know, we talked about uh, Tom Lee liking the FANG stocks two weeks ago. I think he's pretty right. And the Transportation Act Index, which is uh, has pulled back, you know, is, is right at support. So it's got a hold here. We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing some things that are kind of interesting. We'll just say that. And I think the long-term cycle, the trend advance, 
it's advanced right now, but it's intact, I guess is the best way to put it. So despite the, you know, the, the volatility we've had, you know, last Friday we had triple witching hour and that was probably the cause of the down 500 point day. Uh, and then we snapped right back out of it Monday. Uh, some of the intermediate term indicators uh, are working towards oversold levels on the five to six week cycle, if you will. The short term indicators are mixed. Uh, and, and the quadrant balance indicator that our friend uh, uh, Rob Schleimer uses is uh, very oversold. So that's that's a good thing on the short term. You know, look, I, I just see ebbs and flows between growth uh, cyclicals and historically more defensive uh, sectors as a normal bull market rotation. Okay, this this is what happens in a bull market. Uh, you know, growth stocks became overbought short term. They were oversold four weeks ago. Okay, uh, now we're having cyclicals. There's a cross current there. Some of them are selling off. Some of them are are being more advanced. All right, so. The energy stocks have pulled back to support, although a lot of them are in the fifth and sixth zone. Remember the zone report? Zone one is where you buy calls. You know, so you're looking for them to advance. Zone five and six where you write calls. So we got a lot of energy stocks in, in zones five and six. So they have to pause or pull back, one to two. Uh, but, I'm, you know, look, I had a couple of uh, small names that I own uh, that broke out on Friday. All right. Uh, and I, I've seen, you know, Exxon's gone from 58 to 64 in a very short period of time and paid a 5% dividend. Not bad, huh? Uh, so some of these things are in pretty good shape. Healthcare, you know, which has been in a, like a five-year funk, uh, is improving. And there's some of the bigger names are starting to, to break out, uh, leading names, I should say. And there's a couple of the drug companies that look timely for value investors. I won't mention who those are. Look, the S&P, is, if you look on a weekly chart, we go back to 2009. It's at the top of the trend line, which has been a place that's been tough, you know, to be an investor. Uh, you know, you got to wait for things to pull back. But the weekly quadrant balance indicator and also the daily quadrant balance indicator that our friend Mr. Schleimer looks at are both pretty oversold. So that's, that's a good thing. Uh, if you look at the Russell, you know, the small cap names, which have been a leader for a while there, They've been going sideways since about uh, February. And what you're seeing is the relative performance versus the S&P 500 is beginning to improve. So that should be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we go from there. Um, and, and like I said, some of the international ETFs, uh, the EEM, and, uh, you know, one of the things that you got to think you're going to look at is Latin America. Latin America is starting to break out a little bit. Uh, you know, I've, got, I've got some names there, but, you know, you guys got to figure them out for yourself. And also, you know, if I look at growth versus value, you know, that growth got way, way overbought over value back in, uh, you know, 2020. And uh, now it's come back to its uptrend trend line. So I think what you'll see is both value and growth go up together. Now, value may outperform. Uh, don't know. But uh, I, I see high beta, which is the, the value indicator or the value stocks, uh, have broken out of a big base. So I don't think the value move is over. Uh, for those of you people who are dumping all your value stocks, I think you're going to regret it probably six, seven months from now. But uh, that's up to you. Um, but the, the breakout of the high beta stocks has been impressive, is as best I can say it. And I don't think it's over yet. U.S. dollar, you know, weekly momentum still remains negative, and it peaked back in the first quarter. So uh, I don't. I, I, it's hard. For the dollar to go up with the amount of dollars that the Federal Reserve is putting out and also the U.S. government. I mean, they're talking about another two, three trillion dollars. Bernie Sanders wants a six billion dollar uh, thing. Now, part of that is, you know, he goes back to Saul Linsky, who uh, was, you know, the guy that talked about the socialist society. And the higher the debt, the lower the economy, the more social unrest you'll have. So uh, maybe that's what Bernie's thinking. He, <laughs> he is. Uh, the word, the word socialist uh, is, equals Bernie Sanders' name for the most part. So sh short-term momentum, again, uh, for the dollar, you know, made a big move. Uh, it's kind of overbought. We'll see what happens. I did notice the Canadian dollar broke out. So that should be good for oil, gold, copper, you know, those type of things. And, and uh, you know, I look at uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude, and it broke above 67.68. Uh, so that means the next resistance probably is 77. And then if it breaks through there, there's a band at 90. 
So uh, I, I think Joe Biden has done more good for the oil industry than probably anything uh, because he's cut them off. You know, gold futures, uh, you know, they remain negative. The, the daily momentum remains negative. The pullback has held the first support, which is good. Uh, and the ratio of copper uh, to gold has yet to show any material improvement. So, uh, you know, lumber futures got killed. Lumber futures went straight up and came straight back down. But they're, they're right at pretty support, um, important support. And same with copper. So a couple things to think about. Uh, I do have a lot of stocks that look really, really interesting. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. Look, we're going to uh, be right back with uh, the bullish percent and all that good stuff from uh, our friends at Dorsey Wright. This is Smart Investor Show. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. You know, uh, Monday and Tuesday uh, marked Amazon's two-day annual Prime event. It generated $11 billion in revenue with $5.6 billion on Monday and $5.4 on Tuesday. That makes it the two busiest digital sales days of the year. That beat uh, last year's Prime by about 6.1% and even beat Cyber Monday sales from 2020. How's that? Now, uh, so that's kind of an interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Alibaba's day, uh, you know, because they can get some pressure from the uh, Chinese government. Now, Friday, uh, Amazon got hit by, uh, you know, the Teamsters are going after him uh, to unionize it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. All right. So we always talk in the third part of our show about the bullish percent. Now, the bullish percent is merely our risk monitor, okay? So there's several things to it. Uh, it. It you know starts out with what we call dynamic asset level investing. So what we're trying to do is see what asset class has the most votes. For example, dynamic asset level investing, domestic equities are still the number one asset class. And what we have is a tie for second with commodities and international stocks. Then we have bonds. Then we have money market, then we have currencies. Okay, so what we have here is a situation where domestic equities are still number one asset class, but we have the second part of it, and the biggest part of it. And by the way, this all comes from our friends at Dorsey Wright in Virginia, is uh, something designed by a protege of Charles Dow. So it's a chart goes from zero to hundred, and what he wants to do is he wants to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. Okay, so this goes from zero to hundred. We get over 70, we're in a red zone. That thing's too hot to handle. Uh, and that's where we were a couple of weeks ago. And then we get below 30. And that's when everybody, you know, they don't want to open their 401k statement, et cetera. You know, they're crying in their beer. That's when you want to be greedy. So you want to be frightened when everybody else is greedy and greedy when everybody else is frightened. Okay. Now, we were at 70 last week. We dropped 6.5% this week. And we're now at 64. We're in a column of O's. Now, what's interesting is the over-the-counter index is still in a column of X's. So the smaller stocks are doing better than the larger stocks. That's kind of interesting. Uh, and by the way, we, we went into a column of O's this week. So, uh, we, you know, last week we're in a column of X's. This week we're in a column of O's. Actually did it on Friday. So leave it at that. And then the world index is still in a column of X's, but uh, it's about 3% above where it is. So. So we, we had an uptick in market volatility last week. Remember, the volatility index went from 15 to 20. Uh, we saw some technical indicators weaken. We saw the bullish percent change down into a column of O's. Uh, it's been making a series of lower highs. You know, it started at 80, then it went to 78, then 76, 74, 72. That's where it was this time around. And now it's, uh, it's given it up. But in dynamic asset level investing, it's, you know, technology led the way for a long time. Now it's consumer cyclical. Energy, which we talked about at the beginning of the year, we pounded the table on these stocks. Basic materials, industrials, then financials. Technology is not in the top five. They're number six. The dead last are utilities. They're bond, 
Remember, their utilities are bonds with trade on the New York Stock Exchange, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with raising in interest rates. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But look, I, I think um, the first relationship you should probably take a look at is the S&P 500 banks versus technology. And one of the things that happened is that technology uh, uh, is now starting to break out versus banks. Now, the banks led the way there for about two and a half months, and uh, that's kind of interesting. The second relationship I think you have to look at is the bank index versus real estate or REITs, real estate investment trust. That these are pieces of real estate that trade on the New York Stock Exchange, and uh, once again, they have turned up versus the banks. So it's kind of a, I'm not sure what to make of that yet, but uh, we have some weakness in the banking sector, but I think Monday, I think you're going to see a lot of buybacks and a lot of dividend increases because most every bank that I saw passed the uh, the Fed test this week. So, uh, you know, but you are seeing the the, the, the financials uh, go to a column of O's, shall we say, versus technology and real estate. So uh, technology starting to pick back up. I noticed several of my stocks have broken out big. Uh I tell you, we have a couple of analysts in our group that are just phenomenal. Matt Hedberg's group is just phenomenal. Um, anyway, we, we have had, you know, uh, the, the Dow, the small caps and the mid caps, they've been, you know, Dow's been negative for seven weeks. Weekly momentum's been negative. Mid cap and small cap, they, they've been negative for 11 and 15 weeks, respectively. And the only thing I really have that's real positive for the week is the EEM, the emerging markets, hasn't gone anywhere. So. We just saw the QQQs and the XLGs and the NDX turn to positive momentum this week. So we'll see what happens there. The, uh, the S&P 500, both the equal weight and the S&P 500 uh, regular, uh, have, are still negative for about four weeks now. So kind of interesting. Uh, but, you know, look, the QQQs broke a double top. Wasn't the greatest volume I've ever seen. But, uh, you know, on a point and figure chart, you don't care about that. And it's the second double top they've broken. Uh, so the S and P broke a double top, but you know you're not seeing a lot of great things now. Uh, probably you know the best performer has been Nvidia. Uh, you know what? Uh, so they've been uh, that that you know I don't, I don't own enough of it, and nobody does when they're when they're going that that well. All right. So uh, now we also talk about the sectors, and uh, you know the favorite sectors. Uh, you know, we, we have 11, right? So it's um, not exactly a roaring bull market when you only have 11 favorite sectors. Uh, but the, the ones that are the highest, okay, they're over 70, are gas utilities, oil, and savings and loans are at 76. And then oil service and banks are at 70. So with oil and oil service, once again, this is the zone theory we just talked about that Jim uh, Yates uh, designed. So they're they're in they're overbought right now. So you want to wait on them a little bit. Uh, protection services at 64. I'd probably still wait on that. At 54 is waste management, computers, textiles, retail, and uh, non-ferrous metals. Uh, we have nothing under 30. So it's one of those. It's it's a tough one. You have to be in the right sector is what it comes down to. So uh, you want to mark those names down. I think. Um, I didn't see much as far as, you know, movement back and forth. Uh, you know, we had the building and restaurants uh, move to unfavored status. And textiles, which had been at the top of the list, uh, moved down one. Uh, but they're still favored. So uh, we'll see what happens. As far as international equities, I think the start of the show has been the Latin American uh, stocks. You know, they, I've seen a couple of these ETFs break over three and a half. Uh, on the fund score, uh, which is kind of a you know lie in the sand for you know it for them to turn into momentum stocks, and you know I've got a couple names I'm not going to mention it, but uh, you know I've seen a couple of these things break double tops after making a big move. A lot of the small caps in in the uh, uh, South American continents, Latin American con uh, continents have been doing really well, so. Uh, uh, I'll leave you with that. Um, you know, probably one of the better charts out there was Me all the Mexican ETFs, and there's like four of them that I follow. 
and they they were doing great and then they had a hard move back down uh last uh, two weeks and they're right at support so if they reverse back up it'd be a perfect time to buy them i think uh and some people asked me about the you know the the fed met, uh, meeting last week and you know look uh, the FMOC has increased their median projection for federal funds in 2023. That's pretty far, uh, pretty far away. But the longer-term U.S. Treasury yields, like the U.S. 10-year yield and the 30-year index, they've decreased, and that that move is probably partially attributable to investors lowering their expectations for longer-term inflation as a result of the Fed's new projections of interest rates. But but what you're seeing is the Treasury yield is flattened. Okay, so just remember that. All right, uh, that's something you have to be paying very close attention to. And then finally, uh, we have a couple of relative strength changes, and these are to the upside: American First Multifamily Investors, 3D Systems, the Permian Basin Royalty Trust, Smith and Wesson, Site. Uh, well, that's the Bit Mining, Kemp Farm, and Yaren Digital. All right, so those and Lightspeed was the other one. Those relative strength. Changes are very important. Pay attention to those names. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for Insider Buys. This is the Martin Duster Show. A stranger, faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. When you're strange, faces come out of the rain. When you're strange. All right, we're back. I hate to interrupt the monkeys, but uh, wait a Anyway, I just got a note from uh, one of my clients, Larry. Larry said, Tim, you forgot to tell everybody about the podcast. So if you go to WHK 1420 and you go to local podcast uh, and down to Smart Investor Show Tim Hayes, it has all my podcasts going back about a year and a half, two years. So if you don't believe I said something that I just said, feel free to listen. If you're in your car and you're going to Home Depot or something like that and you, you like the show, you can go back home and listen to it on, on a podcast. Uh, you know, if you can't sleep at night, <laughs> just put me on. I'll have you asleep in 25 minutes uh, or less. Uh, anyway, you know, we talk about uh, insider buying a lot on this show simply because they tend to know their business better than we do. What a, what a novel concept. Anyway, you know, I, I've had some really interesting names this week. And just remember that sometimes these guys are early, uh, but sometimes they're right on time, okay? But that they, they see something that we don't, that maybe the institutions don't, whatever. So these are names you look at, and then you, you check out your, you know, your charts or whatever, however you do your system, all right? Uh, I know what my system is, so uh, I'll leave it at that. Anyway, we have Hudson X Executive Investment Corp., which is a SPAC. And we had Doug Bronstein buy 5 million shares at 10. Two days later, it's eight and a quarter. That hurts. But, uh, and then we had iSun, which is a solar company. They have killed the green companies. They've killed them. All right. They took them out. They shot them. They, you know, right. They took them behind the barn and shot them all. So, you do have a president that's kind of fond of green, the green initiative. So, you know, buy low, sell high. Uh, but this is uh, Claudia Mir. She's a director. She bought uh, $21 million worth of stock. Uh, you know, it's an expensive stock. It's, uh, so I'll just leave it at that. And then we have our friend Dustin Muskovitz, uh, who bought another 160,000 shares of Asana and bought another 160,000 shares this week. So just leave that at that. Uh, and then here's another one, Universal Logistics Corp., which got, you know, it was like 27, 28 bucks a couple weeks ago. And it got beat up. It was down to 21 at one time. And uh, there's a guy named Matt Morown, and he bought 415, uh, 417,000 shares to tune of about 8.7 million bucks. Uh, so he really stepped up to the plate. And then we had, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on with RIG, Transocean. We had uh, Frederick Mann is a Dutch, I thought he was German, but I read the article wrong. I, his mother's from Germany or something like that. But Frederick Mann, he's a, he used to run 
pet, uh, Perestrokia, uh, which is a big oil company in, in Sweden, uh, or, or De- Denmark, I guess. And he, uh, you know, they, they bought all last week. So this week they bought a million shares, then they bought another million shares, then they bought another million shares, then they bought another million shares each. Uh, and last week they bought six or seven million. So they, they bought about 10 million shares each. So just him as an individual and the company, he used to run the company, by the way. So he's still on the board. So that's about 20 million shares. Now, you remember, Rig had serious insider buying at 11 and a half. The insiders bought, you know, between five and 12 million uh, shares, depending on how you look at things. And then a major hedge fund bought about 17 million at eight and a half. Now, the hedge fund only has about seven million or eight million shares left. But all the insiders that bought 11 and a half are still there. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, they they like the stock. And then here's something that's really interesting. The portfolio manager of the PIMCO Energy and Tactical Credit Opportunities Fund bought 500,000 shares. Uh, and that's got a pretty good uh, yield, by the way, I think. Uh, at 1260, his name is Dan. I have I don't know if I got that right. So, Dan, I apologize. Uh, and also, uh, Mac Cali Realty. Uh, you may recall two weeks ago, there was some serious buying there. We had another 300,000 shares uh, from a director. That's 4.9 million bucks. I think. Uh, and, and here's another one of these. Uh, you've been, I, I got several emails about, you know, hey, you're not looking at SPACs. And I don't look at SPACs because I don't know what they're buying. You know, buy it. I, I can't buy it really because I have no research. But uh, for a merger third, uh, third uh, we had uh, the CEO and president of the company uh, buy at 985, 500,000 shares. So that's 4.2 million. So that, that's not uh, chump change. And then our friends at uh, Penny Mac Financial Services, we had uh, two more buys uh, from MFN Partners and uh, Farhad Nanji. They both uh, bought about 3.2 million shares. You remember, they were going crazy the last couple of weeks. And then here's a name I haven't seen in a long time, Golfport Energy. Uh, you know, they, they actually went private and came public again. Uh, Silver Point Capital bought uh, 50,000 shares at three for 3.2 million. Uh, you know, so kind of, I, I forgot to mention that uh, there, there was another buy uh, by Mr. Katz and uh, uh, Matt Cowley. He, he bought $2.4 million on Friday of last week. Okay, so a uh, couple things there. Uh, and then we had the, the Rev Group, which is, you know, farm equipment, that type of thing. Uh, the stock dropped from 22 all the way down to 16. And uh, the uh, director, Paul uh, Batmatter, bought uh, almost a million dollars worth. So, you know, we've had quite a few big insider buys. So, anyway, uh, look, let, let's just review things while we have some time. Um, we're looking at a market that is, you know, we, we have a couple things that are going sideways and, and backwards. Gold. Looks like it was just about to break out, pull back hard, uh, and sitting in major support. Um, we have oil breaking out, uh, probably going to 70, and, you know, could go, uh, I mean, you know, the, the next trading ban is in the $90 range, okay? And it stayed there. Remember, back in 2016 or 15 and 16, it stayed there for a pretty long time. Because uh, then the Arabs, uh, I think it was the uh, Saudis, uh, you know, open the taps and the and the market came crashing down. So that's a very interesting scenario. Um, if if we look at the Canadian dollar breaking out, that's usually a sign that oil, gold, copper, those type of things, minerals are going to do better. Uh, the dollar's index, you know, the spot index is the short term momentum is again overbought. It made a big move last week, uh, which we weren't expecting. Uh, you know, in June, we went from like uh, 90, almost to 90, uh, almost 92. Uh, so that's a big move for the dollar. All right. So the first support is at the 91 and a half area. Uh, the, the long-term chart still looks negative and the, the weekly momentum looks negative. But, you know, a move like that, you got to pay attention because that could be a change in trend. And the 10-year yield is back in, in the range it was expected to be in. But, but it, it shot up right after the Fed talked and then came right back down to where it was so you know it started at 1.4 went up to 1.59 and then went right back to 1.4 so uh obviously people uh, i don't know what to tell you on that i would 
you know, uh, once again, I would say the high beta stocks, that these are the value stocks, folks. These are the stocks that are out there that are sitting. They've broken out now. Okay, They've been in a slump for seven, eight years. They've broken out of the base. I would suggest that there's probably more upside to that group. Uh, a lot of people are selling them right now. I think that's a bad idea. I think there's going to be some great opportunities there. And and growth versus value, look, I think growth was way overvalued, and then they came down hard. I mean, a lot of growth stocks came down 60 70% in, in April and May, all right? So they came down hard, and now I think, you know, you need a mix of both to get going, all right? Little value, little growth, a little bit of both. Um, you know, so I, I'm... This year, I'm keeping track. Uh, you know, I'm keeping up with the uh, about half a point over the S and P 500 for the for the year. Uh, uh, not as good as I was last year, but uh, you know, last year we had big year. But just remember, a couple other things: Latin America is breaking out, uh, especially the small cap stocks. Uh, you know, Mexico's pulled back hard. Might be a good time to enter for those of you guys looking for it. Uh, and a lot of the emerging market funds look interesting too. So. Look, we have, if you go to the webpage, WHK1420 AM, go down to local podcast. Tim Hayes has all my local podcasts there going back almost two years. Also, uh, you can you can hit the contact me or email me, get our ADR list. The foreign stocks are starting to look good. Top ideas, dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our small cap idea, our large cap idea. You can get the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals, Woman Wealth, and a Planning uh, a planning Guide for you. Uh, also, Insights, there's a lot of good stuff under the Insights tab. And don't forget, Rob Schleimer is under Bulletin Board. Thanks for your time. Have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.